Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert Bohorkas. I am one of the programmers of Nifty, um, and we are joined today by a filmmaker who's been on all three uh, seasons of the podcast so far. <laughs> um, we're very excited to have her back. Um, her film or sketch—I don't know—we'll we'll find out how you refer how you refer to it. Um, played in our festival this year in the All Hours Absurdity screening. Um, everybody, welcome back. Kylie Murphy, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor. Great to have you back. I think, and somebody can fact check me on this, I'm I'm pretty sure you are the first filmmaker that has been on all three seasons of the podcast so far, so it's great to have that you back. That is such an accomplishment. Yeah, I'm so proud. You got, you got the hat trick. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's start with, um, you know, I just want to dive into Advertisil um, and we'll go, we'll kind of go from there. Um, and I think we'll, by the end of this, we'll get a little galaxy brained as we, as we have before um, about, you know, Perfect. humor and comedy and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, let's start with, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Advertisil for those that, you know, haven't um, seen it yet, or, you know, just give a little bit of a, of a summary of, you know, what the, what the film is. Yeah, so Advertisil is a medication advertisement for a medication that makes you feel like you're in a medication advertisement. It's wonderful. It's this Russian nesting doll of <laughs> exactly of uh, corporate influence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll start with kind of the the basic question. You know, um, I mean, I think we know what the inspiration of it is, but um, <laughs> I'm wondering specifically, you know, if there was, you know, where the idea kind of came from. And, you know, I think you had, may have had a co-writer. Is that wrong? Uh, no, I I wrote it myself. It, right. it was an idea I had like a few years ago, several years ago. I don't know. It was yeah. just something, I guess, like in the style of like an SNL, like commercial parody. Like, yes. um, it was just one, something that seemed like very obvious to me. And yet I was always surprised that I never saw anyone do it. Right. Um, so I, I just had it like in a Google doc for a really long time. <laughs> and then I went to film school and I was like, Oh, I might as well just do it. I mean, it's here. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I, I wasn't the one who originally programmed it, but you know, we, we share things between the programming team and Washington. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fairly certain that's how I came across it in the first place was somebody saying like, yo, you gotta check this out. Um, <laughs> And it's such a fun, you know, tight little two-minute parody of of this pretty commonplace style of advertisement now. Um, and so, you know, a thing that I'm I'm kind of curious is when it comes to you know short versus long comedy because this is you know commercial parodies are usually really tight and short. Yeah. And, um, and something that we've seen from you before is kind of longer, you know, um, you know, character-based pieces and things like that. And so, um, the question that I have is kind of what, 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 when you're writing something, you know, what is kind of the determining factor for like a length like that? And what are what are some like signs that you think that you get from your own writing that? you know, kind of key you into, okay, it's time to kind of wrap this up or, you know, where, 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 how do you feel out, you know, a joke, not overstaying its welcome or a premise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Like I, you said earlier, like a sketch, like it does feel very much like a sketch. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously with like Mad Lib Pixie Dream Girl, which is a, another film I had at Nifty, which is based in parody, yeah. like 
I really enjoy parody as a form. I think it's just so fun to like look at something and and be like, I know that this is a medication advertisement. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt, but why do I know that? Like what are the component parts yeah. that make that up? Like I know this is a manic pixie dream girl character, but why do I know that? Yeah. And so to like the process of breaking that down, I think is so fun and to like find the data points of like, what is it? Is the so for the length of Avertisil, it's like mm-hmm. one of the biggest pieces of like a medication advertisement puzzle is like the structure of it and the length. It's like they all have the same structure. So yeah. that was pretty much like the determining factor of the length of Avertisil was just like basically replicating it in like my bizarro way. Yeah. Just like transferring it. Yeah, um, I'm curious if there were any specific, like how much research, how many of these did you go and watch before? I watched <laughs> so many, and they're really hard to find outside of watching cable TV. Right. Um, and the thing I found was that on YouTube, the number one person who would post one of these would be the actor who was in it, like as part <laughs> of their reel. Wow. So a shout out to all of the actors who posted... <laughs> their own advertisements because those were the ones i watched i watched so so many on youtube i i couldn't really bring myself to like sit down for like judge judy and like watch through a whole right. episode through the commercial break but there were a ton on youtube that were um invaluable but they all they're so formulaic which i think is like parody like works best was doing with such a formula yeah because you can just recognize it so once you watch like a few, you can pretty much see the pattern. Uh, so specifically with this one, you know, and I think with them in general, there's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's usually like a handful of locations or, mm-hmm. you know, more more than I think a normal like, you know, the, like a park bench sketch or something where it's like one place right. and it's two characters going back and forth. Um, so I'm curious just from like a production standpoint, you know, how... Um, how did you kind of decide on the location where I'm in here? We have, you know, the, the, the lonely well, I forget what it's referred to. It's like a (laughs) well by itself. We're in like a a hardware store and on the beach and things. So, I mean, you know, in settling on those locations, what was the process? Did it have to do with, you know, constraints or, you know, how did these spots get chosen? Yeah, it was totally constraint driven. Like when the initial draft of it was like written as if I had an SNL budget, like, I'm pretty sure it was like visiting a a lighthouse museum or something like that. (laughs) Um, And then in reality, I shot this for like one of um, the NYU like major like class projects. Um, And we shot, I had one day to shoot it. So it was all places that I could drive to in one day. Um, And so I live in New Jersey. So we drove to New Jersey at like 7 a.m. And then I had like mapped out our day based on like all the locations we visited. Mm -hmm. So it was like my aunt and uncle's house in the morning to do like all the house stuff. And then the beach, all the stuff outside was kind of near that beach. Um, And then we like hit the hit lows on the way back, but it was all, it was just entirely like logistically driven. And I had done like a scout the, like the weekend before with my dad, just driving around, like finding the perfect spot on, that was at Sandy Hook Beach uh, in New Jersey. And so mm-hmm. just like finding, cause we had, it was, we shot in December too. So it was like not a lot of light yeah. at all. So it was just like trying to be the most efficient with like how I can get to different looking places 
Um, so it looked like we had a lot of budget and a lot of time. Yeah, um, that's that's awesome. Um, and it makes sense. Then one of my other questions is going to be like, what made you choose like fall as a setting? But that was also yeah. just it was, just happened to be December. Um, right, right. Even though I think that might also be a trope of these is that it's oh, kind totally. of like, oh, everyone's totally. dying. It's fall. Yeah, you yeah. need this well, medicine to live. Yeah, the like the picturesque leaves, and then there's also like a very strong spring theme, mm -hmm. but I, there, there are rarely some summer medication advertisements because I think it's a lot of like layers. So you always gotta have the option to like layer up. Yes, not a lot of beaches. The leaves in flannel, of course, and you know, yeah, all those kind of uh, what do you want to call it? Those signal, those signals that make you go, ah, I know what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so another thing, and this is, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the the results of um, COVID on, you know, in, on Internet comedy is something I kind of yeah. want to touch on because um, it's it, it's been kind of interesting to see, you know, a lot of inter, a lot of, um, you know, like live performers and things like that, which I know I know you have some um, experience to have friends and network that is like stand ups and, and sketch mm -hmm. comedians, improv and stuff um, have now had to kind of transfer to virtual performance. Um, and as someone who, you know, is a filmmaker and has made, you know, sketch specifically that, you know, someone might just, you know, go to YouTube and look up. I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, how you think, like, the different um, ingre ingredients or the or the different framing that comedy virtually fits in to be successful as opposed to live performance or something like that. So, I mean, this is something that um, Advertisil, like, maybe there could be like a live performance version of it but i think that yeah. you know it being a pre a filmed different not in person thing is is the is the thing that makes it the satire because that's what the right. commercials are so right. i'm curious like just kind of what you to come back around to the question like what you think the kind of the different things you have to keep in mind making humor for somebody that's going to be watching it on a laptop or their phone as opposed to you know even something that someone's going to watch in a theater or be a live performance like i'm curious your thoughts on that yeah i remember um like screening advertisement for my class and there's something about like when you're watching a, that commercial like the real commercial there's obviously not pauses for laughs because it's like just the thing that it is but when yeah. so you're when you're timing it out you have to think about somebody watching it and i think like that's a whole other element that like people are considering now mm -hmm. is like time you know the timing of what it looks like for someone to be watching at home and also we don't have like if we were to make something now you don't have the luxury of, like screening it for an audience and like seeing where those laugh points are and like mm -hmm. making sure that you're not having laughs over a line or like what the dead space is because a lot of people are just sending things out now into like the ether and like to be enjoyed as an individual experience that's mm -hmm. like you're watching through a screen um yeah so i don't know i mean i have written a couple of like zoom specific sketches that i've been wanting to make uh, for a little bit and i think that is also now like relying on this new common experience of like mm -hmm. what it means to like be on a zoom call and obviously there are billions of people trying to come up with comedy around that 
um, just like that new common experience we have because it's like one of the only ones we can share. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and it's almost cause there, there've even been some like full length films. There was um, this movie, this horror movie host that came out last year that was all like friends getting oh, yeah, yeah, slowly yeah. picked off one by one on a zoom call. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, I mean, the value of those, of those common experiences, like what do you think the, the benefit of like, explaining the context to a thing might be as opposed to just keying in on something that like, you know, I think somebody could come and watch Advertisil and never have seen uh, one of these com- uh, Claritin commercial right. or whatever, insert X product here. Um, and maybe still get the joke, but yeah, yeah. like the, re- the, 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 the realism in quotes of that, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. as someone who, you know, writes, humor for um parodies and things you know how much context does something need to get to get the point across that's such a good question because i think in terms of building like something like adverso like building a parody like this like i was saying like picking the data points like my decisions are coming from a reference that if i don't provide the context then that person watching does not have like they could not have that reference. Mm -hmm. So all these like decisions I'm making, like um, camera wise, like that was a whole thing I went through with like looking at these commercials and how are they filmed? And it's like really specific, like a lot of slider moves and um, not like a lot of them didn't have like true slow-mo, like 48 frames. Like they were like a little bit slowed down. So that's ended up shooting in like, 30 frames per second and slowing it down like 20%. Yeah. So it like looks a little like moving through water, but like those decisions I'm making based on a reference. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that reference, I don't know like what that means to you. I mean, it might like look like its own style or something. Um, something else. So some, some like zoom sketch I was working on was like an Aaron Sorkin parody because I'm like, obsessed with him as like a writer in not not entirely a loving way um (laughs) but but like i just like his anachronisms and like the way he writes is so Mm -hmm. fascinating as like an idea of america and so i wrote this like sketch about like what aaron sorkin's like movie would look like on zoom and I couldn't like provide like if you didn't watch an Aaron Sorkin movie that probably wouldn't mean anything to you you know and I wouldn't like be taking the time to provide that context so I don't know that's a really interesting question I think it it just depends because I've shown like videos you you know like a video you find on Twitter Mm -hmm. and shown it to like my parents who don't have the context for that and they're just like what you know like right we we all have such like an individualized experience of like what our contexts are and they might not even make sense to someone who's like maybe not in the same generation or like not looking at the same memes as you you know like we're so like far removed from the original like like data point that i don't know (laughs) i don't know if that answer made any sense but um (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I I think about that all the time. Like when I go back home to visit my parents and, you know, I've collected up, you know, however many random like videos on Twitter or or TikToks that, you know, make me laugh. And it's kind of the, you know, how do I choose which ones are they going to get? 
that like right, you know, if I'm right. gonna sit and watch some funny videos with my parents, like you know what, how do how do I choose which ones they're actually might laugh at? And you know, usually it revolves around like cats or dogs doing something funny and right, or something <laughs> that you they would get, you know. Yeah. But like with me, with internet memes, sometimes you have to do your own like treasure hunt back to the original source in order to yeah. get like the joke that lives seven layers away. And sometimes well, it's just like a fruitless search. Like, why did I do that? Why did I have to go right. learn that? Uh, did that make my life more enjoyable? I don't know. <laughs> and and it's and things move at light speed now. Like, um, yes. Let's talk about you know Bernie at the inauguration for a second. Oh like, my God. it became. <laughs> It's it's so not just him sitting in a chair anymore. It's now like he's been photoshopped into every instance of someone sitting somewhere, you know? I know. And I think that was such a collective, like, big sigh. Like, we have something, like, we can look at and enjoy. And then yeah. just, like, you know, like, the death cycle of a meme, like, taking it too far past this point like yeah. we went through that whole life cycle in like 48 <laughs> hours just out of desperation to be like look collective joy slash recognition like we yeah. all watch that thing and like know who he is yeah uh so let's put him in every renaissance painting <laughs> oh my gosh yeah and whenever this comes out people are gonna be like i completely forgot that even happened yeah no totally um, <laughs> Um, and so something uh, just to get into, because now, you know, you've been at Nifty a few years in a, in a row now. Um, and I think um, all your films are, are pretty different from each other so far. They have like this vein of humor in them and, you know, playing on parody. But I mean, um, Green that was in last year is, is mm -hmm. so different from Advertisel and Mad Lib Pixie Dream Girl. Um, totally. And so uh, something that I think about every now and then in a lot of genres of movies is that like humor can be like, like comedy can be the genre, but sometimes it's like an ingredient in something else completely. Like even like horror movies, sometimes it's like, Oh, there's something funny in here too. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, what do you think, what do you think the, like that writing something funny as like a connective tissue or like even, to, in even grander terms, like a great equalizer, where it is something that gets people to buy into something they're watching, rather yeah. and necessarily not necessarily being just like we're here to just laugh, um, right? Like, what? Why? Why do you think that that it humor as an ingredient is like is so valuable and is kind of you know a almost I would argue a necessary part of like almost everything every movie. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, like, moving from more of a just joke, laugh, joke, laugh, like, at Versal and, like, Mad Love, Pixie Dream Girl, to some extent, like, the formula of parody to something more personal, like, green was, and, like, more grounded in reality, yeah, was, like, very difficult, like, that vulnerability. Like, I'm so much more comfortable writing something like Advertisal, which, like, I feel like I can do, and I can crank out those jokes and, like, reverse all those, like, little data points and make mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what they need to be. And, like, it's really satisfying to get a big laugh from a crowd in, like, this collective moment that, like, you helped create that is just, like, a little burst of joy, and that's really fun. Um mm -hmm. But then there's always like the desire like to explore something more personal or more vulnerable, um, which has been more difficult. But I think like humor will always be a part of it 
because I just think it's always a part of everything. Like, mm-hmm. I sometimes struggle watching movies that are just like dead, dead, dead serious. And I, I'm like, I don't know if I could ever make that because like nothing is always serious. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know anything that's always serious. So it's sometimes hard to relate to these like, I don't know, morbid and I don't know, like entirely um just like entirely dramatic pieces mm-hmm. because i i like don't know that something like a i don't know the first thing that came to my mind was like a pride and prejudice or something you know what i mean where it's so <laughs> right. melodramatic even yeah even in that like they there are moments of levity like and mm-hmm. like natural moments between characters that like they're laughing and having fun but like watching a movie where like the characters like never laugh or mm-hmm. like have a smile. I'm like, I don't know those people. I like something has to be fun out yeah. here. Yeah, so, like need... they had to like read a knock knock joke at some point or like have a <laughs> Joe Gum thing. Um, I just I don't even know what movies I'm thinking of either. But like I don't know, going through film school and like the majority of pieces are dramatic and like mm-hmm. that that students are working on. Um, and the major and like a bunch of them are only dramatic and that's it. Um, and I'm just, I, I'm just like, nothing is only dramatic. Have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so as we, I want to get, before we run out of time, I want to ask you about your, um, large bathroom remodel project um, oh my that God, you've done during you. quarantine um, with and to bring it back to make it sure it's on topic so people don't immediately <laughs> stop listening um, I'm curious what you think the value of having like a diverse um, like skill set as a creative person so like that's how yes. this is going to be on topic is you know <laughs> what, what do you think the benefit of having uh, of just you know, being able to take a break from just filmmaking or, you know, or something else or just, you know, writing or or anything to do something that's completely not that. Like, how do you think that that totally. helps you as a filmmaker and as a writer? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess I never like considered filmmaking as like when I was growing up, like what I wanted to do. I just did a ton mm-hmm. of different things and then was like, oh, I could go into film and like put a bunch of these things together, like drawing and writing and you know music and stuff and like that's where it all comes together um and I think just like the process also getting out of your head and like doing something with your hands Mm -hmm. is really um satisfying like I took on several (laughs) large remodels in my home (laughs) this year because (laughs) so starting with my bathroom and I installed a toilet for the first time I laid down flooring. I installed a sink and a faucet. I learned all these things that never would I have ever thought that I would have known. But I feel, I don't know, like I grew another limb or something having learned these things. Um, And I built a table uh, and some chairs most recently. And when I just got into candle making, I'm burning my very first candle just off screen. (laughs) Um, But it's just like, I think especially now having something that has a beginning and an ending um, is like so valuable and so rare. And it's, that's not even always true with film. Like you can start with your idea if that's the beginning and then 
the end is the when you upload it on Vimeo or whatever. Mm. But I feel like I just ruminate and regret and like my ending goes way past the posting as I like watch mm-hmm. back shots I don't like or whatever. Um, so just like to build like a little bathroom, you know, it, it's done and I can, I use it, <laughs> you know, um, there's just something like really satisfying about making something in the most traditional sense of like, it wasn't there before and now it's there and now I yeah. sit on, it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say like, even because there was even, <laughs> there was kind of as someone who, you know, came back and wanted to see this finished bathroom at the end of it, there was like, <laughs> a narrative there was almost a narrative arc to it too because there were like there were i remember challenges there was like oh it turns out we do have to pull up this piece of the floor and it's disgusting (laughs) underneath and what are we going to do with this tiny closet and like um yeah it was it was a roller coaster because i just planned on painting the floor and painting the walls and then i'm installing (laughs) a toilet like yeah uh, there was a journey that happened but you just kind of go for it I mean, what else are we going to do right now? But, you know, exactly. watch DIY toilet install videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, and I think I've, I've seen so much of, like, advice to writers that would be like, you take a break. Like, don't just sit and stare at a blank page for a long time. Like, go and do something else. And I think really um, separating yourself from something when you're take when you've got obstacles that require just, like, thinking harder <laughs> yeah. um, is so, like... The, is the way to go because it just gets you to focus on something else. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm curious, you know, other than uh, home projects and DIY, you know, in terms of writing and, um, you know, maybe maybe trying to film things before, you know, everything opens back up again. I'm curious what you've got kind of in the works right now. Yeah. Um, I have like a little script for a short I might shoot over like FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, or a Zoom that I might do within the coming weeks. Um, like maybe do that Aaron Sorkin parody. <laughs> um, I wrote a, um, I like to make very elaborate uh, Christmas presents that often involve writing sequel scripts to films. Um, and this year I wrote Gary Marshall's Halloween, okay. which Gary Marshall made New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day and mm-hmm. Mother's Day. So yeah. I took it one holiday over and wrote Harry Marshall's <laughs> Halloween. Oh my so that gosh. was very fun. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we'll be making that over Zoom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Just trying to stay active. It's definitely hard to like self-generate something. Right. Um, but I have a couple like maybe Zoom-based things that I can work on. That's awesome. We uh, will look forward to to seeing them. Um, and for those listening uh, that want to, you know, keep up to date, maybe see that stuff when it comes out. Um, where can where can people go on the internet to uh, keep up to date and follow you? And you know, where can people find you online? Um, I post usually about like creative stuff on my Instagram, which is at Kai Picture K Y Picture, um, and then my website KyliePMurphy.com. I usually will post my videos on there too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking some time again to talk with us. Um, I hope that... Thanks so much for having me. I hope we have more to talk about in in a a fourth installment. Um, (laughs) Me too. Um, But yeah, no, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for listening, everybody. For more information on Nifty 2020, The Talented Youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY, or on Instagram at NiftyFilm. 
And for more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.